Listen to better music and listen to music better. Welcome to True Tunes at 45 RPM, the short form version of the ongoing conversation you'll hear on the True Tunes podcast and in the digital pages at truetunes.com. And now your host, John J. Thompson. It's hard to believe that it's been over 30 years since you two released what may still be their most fully realized album yet. Octoon Baby was not only critical to the ongoing relevance of the Dublin band, it crashed into popular culture like a compact car with no brakes. I will hopefully never forget where I was the first time I heard this sonic assault. After having dinner with my friend Robert Beeson, then of the band Utanda, and soon to transition into a leadership role with Essential Records, the two of us were in my Hyundai Excel. The radio station I had on, probably WXRT in Chicago, announced that they were going to play the new U2 album in its entirety with no interruptions. But the opening cut started before we got home, and as the insane, cascading, cryptic sound of Zoo Station filled that little car, we knew we were going to be unable to leave it until the experience was over. So, Robert and I sat in almost complete silence in my tiny car in the parking lot outside of my apartment, allowing this new U2 to shock us. You're dangerous, cause you're Hey, hey, sha la la hey. 
band unveiled Octung Baby in November of 1991. The album was both critically acclaimed and eventually adored by fans. It took us a while to adjust to Bono's new, less literal style of lyric writing, and some of the sonic flourishes sounded very foreign. But at its core, this was seminal U2. The album brought the band's spiritual explorations into very personal places. Octung Baby is one of those rare albums that was simultaneously adventurous, artistic, and soulful, and also massively successful on a commercial level. Many have come to regard it as one of the best alternative rock albums ever produced, and one as one of the greatest pop songs of all time. The subsequent Zoo TV tours replaced their Spartan stage sets with a multimedia overload that presciently satirized our growing idolization of media, pop stars, and propaganda. They even managed to predict the strangely confessional narcissism of the coming social media age by inviting concert goers to step into a video confession booth to share their deepest feelings so that those feelings could be used as props on the massive stage. But beneath it all, it was ultimately all about the subversive power of love. love is For all of its artistic successes, the Octune Baby Zoo TV era may have seen the band lose their way a bit as well. Did they end up becoming the very kind of glittery plastic distraction they had worked so hard to parody? Did Bono surrender to his alter egos a bit? Possibly. They would eventually reset again, back to their more earnest roots with the release of All That You Can't Leave Behind in 2000. I decided to call my good friend Nick Beret to see what he thought of Octune Baby then and now. Nick manages artists, including Chagall Guevara, and has been active in the industry for as long as I have. So let's head into the virtual True Tunes interview suite for a quick touch base with someone who's just about as big a YouTube fan as I am. The men who love you, you hate the most. They pass right through you like a ghost. They look for you, but your spirit is in the air. Tell me, first of all, what do you remember where you were when you first heard Octune Baby? I, I can tell you literally every single album uh, from War on where I was. I had the lyrics out. I mean, it's like I'm opening an epistle uh, and I'm somewhere in Greece <laughs> or some, somewhere in Rome. So, yeah, I, w- I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I had been here for, for less than a year and... Uh, Rather than buying it at the cool record store, I actually ran into a mall after work to get it. And um, 
was alone in my bedroom with the lyrics door shut just ready to experience it and uh like everybody else was you know fr- from the cover collage of cross process antacrobin photographs to the track one broken speaker fade a uh, fake out of of zoo station i mean like everyone else, I think we knew that the band wasn't dialing it in. They were taking a risk. They were taking a leap right. of faith. This would either be a classic record or a pretty significant creative misfire. <laughs> right. Yeah, it does It does feel right at the very beginning. They, I, I remember reading somewhere that Adam Clayton said they were intentionally trying to make it sound like either you had made a mistake and this was not you two, or something was wrong with your stereo system. <laughs> like, like you had exactly. actually blown a yeah. speaker or something like that. Um, well, and, and Bono famously said uh, after the release, he, he described Octoon Baby as uh, the sound of four men chopping down the Joshua tree. Oh, and yeah, right. and for particularly the younger listeners, um, the like to understand Octoon Baby fully, you really need to know the context of it. Uh, throughout the 80s, U2 was at such an incredible, they were so incredibly consistent in their creative output but but like so many things in life a strength can quickly mutate into a weakness and by 1988's rattle and hum the band's consistency kind of made them vulnerable to being predictable and cliche so there was just a lot of curiosity i I don't think anyone was was expecting joshua tree part two you know again it was just that element of surprise that that made listening to that record uh, there was excitement but there was also a little fear and trepidation right. of where my favorite band was going. And where were they and, taking me? And it's a defining moment, a defining challenge that any successful artist has to face, whether it's, forgive these references, but the Beatles leaving the, the safe haven of the world domination as a, a boy band or Dylan going electric, Miles Davis annihilating the boundaries of jazz, Springsteen choosing to release his demos for the Nebraska album, Paul Simon, Sting, Charlie Peacock, or Terry Taylor doing whatever the heck they want. Every artist reaches that point where they have to push themselves, they have to risk, or they become stagnant or caricature themselves. There have been plenty of shocking, surprising albums over the years. How does this one sit with you listening back to it? 30 years removed from the release of Octoon Baby, I see a lot of parallels from the biggest band in the world locking themselves in Hansa Studios in Berlin, rebuilding everything that they've made, that made them successful from the ground up. I see a lot of comparisons to that in the current deconstruction movement happening right. in the church today. Yeah, and and I've always viewed Octoon Baby in that context. U two wasn't trying to avoid being who they really w- were. 
to the contrary, they were searching for who they had become as artists and as people, and they were trying to be as honest, truthful, and real as they could. And, and underneath the veneer of the visuals of, of the album, the tour, and the sounds, I, I believe they created their most spiritual album to date. I would agree. And I personally resonate with that, the idea that we become enchanted by things that we never should have given our hearts over to. And then we have to become disenchanted by those things and then re-enchanted. But sometimes you can become enchanted by or entranced by scale and bigness and even earnestness and these these things that are good in and of themselves. And then the more I could get over some of the sonic stuff into the lyric and think about the lyric, then the sonic stuff actually goes from being an obstacle to putting me in a sense of place you know like i right. felt like it, it surrounded me and it actually made some sense the revisionist history of this album is there's a lot of people that forget how uh, the initial reaction the first few weeks in particular a lot of my youtube friends despised this record it had to grow on people it had right. to stick to their bones a bit because it wasn't they wanted the youtube that they experienced in the dorm room at college or in high school they didn't you know they wanted that group and you know when you're the biggest band in the world your life changes your world gets bigger and uh, yeah. I, I just love the fact that music that we can have these kind of conversations right. where it's so much more than just an album it's a parallel to our our lives and yeah. the world and all of that the most important stuff is often the most difficult at first, at least, you know, and, right. and especially when it comes to art, like if it was just easy and comfortable, then it just becomes kind of decoration. It's the stuff you got to work right. for that I, that has stuck with me. Is there a, is there a song on this project that when you first think of Octoon Baby, there's a song that pops out to me as like defining for you or? I think for me personally, uh, the defining song of, of the album is the, the lead single, uh, The Fly. You know, rumors are that Brian Eno was very influential in the the lyrics of that. Interesting. Um, and particularly the lyric for me, which I think they're writing to themselves, and particularly the Joshua Tree versions of, of themselves, is um, every artist is a cannibal, every poet is a thief, all kill their inspiration and sing about the grief. I felt like that was, that there was probably some good self-awareness going on <laughs> when <Yeah>. that lyric <laughs> was written. The song that shocked me the most was trying to throw your arms around the world uh, just because it was you two laid back it was just so i can't fathom that song fitting on anything else they'd ever done to that point six o'clock in the morning you're the last to hear the warning you've been trying to throw your arms around the world you've been falling off the sidewalk you live smooth, but you can't talk Try to throw your arms around the world Gonna run to you, run to you, run to you You're scared Gonna run to you, run to you, run to you Woman, I For me, until the end of the world, has always struck and 
I remember, you know, listening to it, studying it, trying to figure out what is he actually saying, and then someone telling me, this is about Judas, you know, and that was like a little bit of a Rosetta Stone to then say, well, where is the Judas in me? And what am I, where is the end of the world? What is the world? Like, it just opened up all these moments of contemplation and consideration that that I thought, wow, you know, instead of Judas just being this two-dimensional villain, what if we start to think about Judas just having die-hard faith that's just slightly off the goal of love? Man, that, that song still sticks with me. In an age when we have instant data on the number of streams that happened yesterday and likes and views and all of that, I think the band would be a greatest hits band had they not had Octoon Baby. I feel like it's the most significant moment in their career that meant that they could have a second act, a third act, a fourth act, you know, who knows what they'll have going forward. Along those lines, that reminds me that as much as they needed to reinvent themselves and and tweak the formula or whatever you want to call it they had earned the right to do that like they <laughs> yeah. they had spent time we were we were believers you know we were <laughs> the, the, the fans were yeah. just in and that gives you the ability to to experiment and to risk but if you start with trying to be big as opposed to being good and really cultivating your audience, you're never going to get to the point where you've got the license to to take risks because people are just going to move on. They're not going to go on that. They're not walk that plank with you if they don't really, aren't really invested. And they had really done that. That's why it's, it's rare because it's really hard to get that balance right between something that's accessible, but not cheesy, some cultivating a relationship with fans where they care. And then right when you get them there, being willing to say, Hey guys, trust me. We're going to walk on yeah. water a little bit here and it's going to be scary, you know? So, um, that's really cool. Well, thanks for taking some time with us. Oh time. my gosh. This is like, this was four years of my college experience where these types of discussions, <laughs> right, arguments, exactly. debates, right. you know, uh-huh. well, John, thank you for using your gifts, geekdom for the forces <laughs> of good. Thank you for everything that true tunes has done. Thank you for the friendship too. You make me, you're one of those few people who make me feel less weird. So thank you. Because <laughs> you can compare yourself to me. Yeah, I know. That like, bad. <laughs> I like that guy. He's a lot like you. I know. That's why he's so cool. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You've got someone to blame, you say. One love, one life, but it's one me in the night. 
U2 has also been in the news lately, both for the release of their kinda new album Songs of Surrender and for a big announcement at the Super Bowl that seemed to have something to do with aliens. That Super Bowl spectacle announced that the band will be opening the new MSG Sphere venue in Las Vegas, a massive globe, with a special series of shows honoring their album Octune Baby 30 years after the end of that album's original massive tour in Tokyo. Hope you've enjoyed this little romp through the vaults. We've got more shows like this and some new interviews coming soon, but of course you don't have to wait for us. We've got shelves full of episodes just waiting for you to discover. That's all for now. The Run Out Groove is coming. If you dig the show, please subscribe and spread the word. Also, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our email list at truetunes.com. Follow us on Facebook at TrueTunesNow. And find and follow our weekly Spotify Gallery Stage Mixtape. You can find me on Twitter at John J. Thompson and on Instagram at TheOnlyJJT and at TrueTunes Music. And you can support this show through our Patreon.com slash TrueTunes community or via a one-time tip linked on the show notes page. There's also some sweet swag available at truetunes.threadless.com. So tell your friends about the show, post it on your socials, and let us know what you think. Thanks. True Tunes at 45 RPM is produced by John J. Thompson and Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions and is intended for the private use of our listening audience. The contents are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. Thanks for listening. Cheers. We'll see you next time. <laughs>